You know I'm right. Nick Durst here with Joe Calabrese. Joe, our guest today, some would say when it comes to sports broadcasting, he has eagle eyes. <laughs> well, uh, I had an eagle pun ready to go too, and uh, you got eagles soaring from coast to coast, and uh, now that we have video to accompany this podcast i mean the, the resemblance to his father is incredibly striking i mean they both look exactly alike but we're really really happy to have him on he's the los angeles clippers radio voice and for everybody out there his father is ian eagle who's the voice of the brooklyn nets and does nfl and cbs stuff so that's really really awesome we'll get to pick his brain uh, but we're really really happy to have him on finally got a the uh, the eagle to to come down out of flight uh all right i'm done with the eagle puns but uh, without further ado, we're going to welcome Noah Eagle to the show. Noah, thanks for joining us. Uh, how are you doing today? Guys, it's a pleasure. Uh, first of all, Nick, let me start with this. My eye doctor would tell you my eagle eyes are broken. Uh, my, my prescription is getting worse by the year. I don't know how to fix it. I, I'm trying everything I can. It's yeah. all failing me. It's all not working. So that's let's start there. That's That's step one. Step two, Joe, it's a pleasure to be here. The video component is going to be brutal for me today. I just got back from the gym. It's going to look like the key and peel where he's trying not to lie about watching a certain type of video on his phone and he's dripping, pouring sweat, like buckets of sweat. So if that happens to me, it's not that I'm lying to you guys. It's my post-gym sweat. I promise you. It's also a weird flex that I went to the gym. So I've just covered like 15 bases on the intro, which means this <laughs> is going to be a wild podcast appearance but i appreciate you guys for having me for bearing with my schedule and let's get to it i'm excited no i used to have awful vision as well for my whole life but then a few how'd you ago, fix it i went for the prk slash LASIK, uh, oh. but i don't know if i would do it again because it was extremely painful and i had some side effects for like a year but yeah at least now you know don't have to worry about that and well, you look uh, good too you yeah, look good like you don't you don't have four eyes you're ready you to know go. what i heard was the worst part about wearing glasses and i at this point i feel bad for everybody i hear when you put that mask on it gets all fogged up especially yeah, outside i have uh, my mask is all the way over there but i will show you i have perfected the mask with glasses i have found the loophole in getting rid of the fog now you, gotta, you guys have to remember, I live in a warm climate place in L.A., so I don't have to deal with the cold to hot, the cold to hot. But we're currently on a road trip on the East Coast, and I'm now, for the first time, dealing with masks with cold weather. And it's, it's just another hurdle with the glasses. So I do feel you there. So you mentioned going to the gym. You're flexing on us. So is that the first thing you're checking out when you get to these hotels, seeing where the gym is? Yeah, you know, uh, the gym in this hotel, we're in D.C. right now. It's right. It's basically right next to my room. So it's one of those things where it's like it's like Field of Dreams, where it's whispering from the sky to me, like, go to the gym. So I, I kind of had to go. You know what I mean? Uh, so I felt like I needed to get a good sweat in this morning, ready for our game tonight and especially ready for you guys. Like I needed to be in the right mindset. Now, the sweat I did not anticipate. I did not anticipate the post gym sweat to be this to this level. Uh, but I'm getting through it. I'm navigating through it. And like I said, don't think I'm lying to you. Don't think like this is a, a crazy interrogation that I'm trying to go deep into the crevices of my brain for, because that's not the case at all. I'm an open book for you guys. Completely open. 
Yeah, but before we get to what I want to talk about, since you mentioned being on the road here, got to know what's your favorite foods to go to in different cities and which arena, arenas, would you say, or stadiums have the best media eating? <laughs> it, that's a hard question to answer. The second one, I would say, is a hard one to answer because I still haven't been all 30. I still have to wait, and we're almost going to be in Charlotte because you have to remember, despite this being my third year with the team, my first year got cut, cut short with, with the COVID pandemic in March of 2020. So we didn't get to New York that year, and we didn't get to Charlotte. We didn't get to Detroit. We didn't get to Portland. So I've been to Portland. Now I've done both New York teams, which is crazy to say, considering that's where I'm from. And we're still ready. We're still waiting to get to Detroit and Charlotte. So until I've got all 30, I can't give you an accurate answer on who has the best, because I've heard Detroit is in the running. All right. I've heard Detroit is in the running. So until I've got there, can't give you an accurate answer. We've, As, had, we've had some people on this show who have gone, gone to Detroit and they have said that the pizza from Little Caesars in the Detroit arenas is off the charts, which I find right. hard to believe. You and me both. Right. I'm, I'm from northern New Jersey, which is where the Sopranos takes place. If I said that Little Caesars pizza was the best pizza around the league, I would get excommunicated wow. like Bane, right? Wow. I would still be allowed back, right? My kneecaps would be gone, okay? I'm not allowed to say that. So that's, I'm going to hold out because I haven't been there. And if you're comparing, like, that's like saying apples to oranges. You can't compare a North Jersey slice of pizza to Little Caesars. Right. If you do that, that's literally the worst thing you could possibly do. That's like the sinniest sin of all time, all right? Can't do that. But in terms of press food, I understand where they're coming from. Now, Toronto has very good press food. They've got pizza a lot of times. Philly, we just came from, they had cheesesteaks, they had potato wedges, and they had hot pretzels. I mean, that's like a the hot a, pretzels. A, yeah, okay. that's a heaven combination. The hot pretzel puts it over the top, too. I agree with you, Nick. Yeah. As for my food, you know, my, my dad's food issues are well-documented. No condiments, no salads, no coffee. I'm similar. I've never had a salad nor a coffee as well. And I feel like now it's like a competition with him, right? We all get in competitions with our, our siblings or our parents. So now I'm like, I got to do it. He's lasted more than 50 years, so I can go 25. But at some point, I feel like I'm probably going to cave. But I do eat a lot more than the rest of my family. So I, I like to try, based on the city we're in, what they're known for. So Depends on the city, honestly. Completely depends where we are. Yeah, I do some D2 games and got to get the halftime pretzel. It's an absolute must whenever it's available. But, you know, what what is your routine on game days when, when you're getting to the stadium? Are you going to eat right away? And are you, are you, and the, the question we always ask, me and Joe, I, I got to know, how do you control your bladder? Are you looking for that bathroom <laughs> the, second, the second a quarter or a half ends? Or what are you doing there? Yeah, I feel like the the common phrase is mind over matter, but I'm a mind over bladder type of guy. I always have been and especially my first year with the team guys with the Clippers. I was doing the pre and post game on TV as well. So you got to look at it this way. Our pregame on radio starts an hour before tip. So let's say it's a seven o'clock game hour before tip six o'clock. I got to be on for the radio then at six thirty. So really at six fifteen, I got to go down to start the pregame for the TV. 6.30 to 7, we do our pregame on TV. 7 through whatever, 8, 10, 8, 15, 
first half. Then I do halftime on TV. Then I do second half. So the game ends probably 9.20, 9.30. Then I do post-game until 10. So from 6 to 10, I have zero window to use the bathroom. So that first year, I, I don't know what I did. I don't know how I did it, but I tamed it. I really did. I had some sort of mental checklist. I had some sort of mental strength that I never knew I had that I just found this other gear to go to and this other happy place. I know I've already done like a a number of movie references, but happy Gilmore when he's putting, that was me when I was on the little stool, I was thinking of that happy place. I was thinking of Carl Weathers playing Chubbs. Like I, that's, that's all I was. I, I didn't even care about Kawhi Leonard's stat line. I was worried about getting through and not wetting the downstairs area. And that was it. Now it's a little bit easier. I don't do that anymore. So I can go at halftime. So now I, and I like to drink a lot of water in general in life, but certainly when I have games, I'm going through numerous bottles, probably three to four bottles and usually two by the end of the first half. So I got to go. The problem for me is that most of the radio booth areas, most of our broadcast locations are up a little bit. Mm -hmm. So the nearest bathroom is on the concourse. So I have to, when the first half ends, I quickly send it back to our studio as quickly as I can. And then I, I throw the headset down and I sprint. All right. I shove nine-year-olds out of the way. I might have some lawsuits from Sacramento coming. I'm not sure, (laughs) but I know that I'm, I've got good agility. I've got quick feet. I've got some spin moves and I get some dirty looks without a doubt, but I beat 95% of people to the bathroom nine out of 10 times. It is a mad rush and I win that rush very often. So that's how I I manage it now. I'll go before, halftime, after. And then usually if we're on the road, we get on a bus or a plane and I'm going on the bus and the plane. Like I, I just, I don't care. I don't care how many times it is now. And this is not a conversation I thought we would get into, but I'm glad we did. Like I said, open book. Now I'm glad everybody knows how it works. You got to do what you got to do. And uh, I like the you know, mind over bladder and you got to run. You got to beat the, you got to beat everybody to the bathroom, especially when you're in the concourse. Cause we know those lines can certainly get out of control. Yeah, the, the, only think- time, the only time where you're not getting a line at a concourse is when you're like me going to a Taylor Swift concert, my wife, and she's waiting on a huge line. And I'm like, I'm going in and out. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not used to this. It's usually right. I wait like for hours. Right. Yeah, that's that's a good point. It's all about the demographic, without a doubt. You guys have to remember as well, the, if there should be like a Fitbit setting for bathroom, right? Because we all might have our 10,000 steps, but how many of those 10,000 were spent sprinting to a bathroom and navigating through a large crowd? To me, I'd like those statistics at the end of the day. Yeah, I think like something like that and like navigating the streets of Manhattan, that's like a realistic like Olympic sport that they could create. It is. I feel like I'd be walking now, right? Right. No doubt about that. So you did mention your father. So I wanted to ask you real quick, when did you first realize he didn't have a normal job? And when was the first time he took you to work with him? I mean, he took me to work with him from a pretty early age in terms of physically being in the booth. I was probably three or four years old. I was really young. And I, I took a liking to it very early. Uh, there was never something that he said, oh, man, I really am praying that my son loves sports. 
it just happened naturally. And people always ask me, when did I decide I wanted to get into it? I think it was pretty simple in the sense that I had a good relationship with my dad and I saw he enjoyed what he did. And that's essentially answering your question of when did I realize he didn't have a normal job? I realized it when I started kind of paying attention and realizing he enjoys it. He gets up, he's excited for it every day. Whereas all you hear about from people is, oh, I got to go to work every day. Wasn't really the case with him. Sure. Could he get stressed out if he had five games in six days in five different cities? Without a doubt. I mean, anybody would. But when he was there, when he came home in the morning, he was excited. He was smiling, talking about it. You could hear it in his voice, see it, the twinkle in his eye. And so all of those factors certainly helped in my decision-making swayed me in that direction. But I think once you get to the point where you're perceptive enough and you're old enough to actually see a TV and understand what's happening. And for me, I would see a TV and I'd point and I'd say, there's dad. And so that was the, the slight difference. But at the same time, I look at that and I always looked at that as it's just him going to work. It's no different than if I showed up and my dad was a doctor or my mom was a doctor. Let's just use the same example. And I showed up to the hospital and I point and I say, there's mom or dad. It's no different, right? And so I think that was kind of the mentality I grew up with. So it wasn't necessarily of his job is different. It's just he gets excited for his job. That's what always stood out to me. So Nick and I have had the privilege of having a ton of Q's people on this program with us. So I wanted to ask, was there any chance of you attending any school other than Syracuse? And we know how elite that program is up there and uh, how much talent it has been up there and the pipeline that it produces and all it does is produce great broadcasters everywhere. So uh, was there any chance of you attending any other school? Uh, and when you were there, uh, what did you do on campus in terms of internships and uh, other stuff that, you know, allowed you to ultimately get your first job after you graduated? Well, Joe, I'm hoping that of all the cues people you've had, none of them went into detail about how they use the bathroom, because that would kind of be embarrassing. For well, me. We actually had a, a oh, no. prof on. He gave us the whole breakdown. Yeah, he did. Who? Anish Shaf. Oh, Anish, Anish. I mean, Anish is a legend, a fellow sports director at WAER. And you know what? I'll give him, I'll tip the cap. I'll tip the cap. I'll bend the knee. Anish is, Anish is a king in his own right. So I'll give him credit for that. To answer your question, though, I, I would say, yes, there were definitely moments growing up and when I was making my college decision that I was thinking, this isn't happening. I'm not going to Syracuse. There's just, it's just not going to work. You know, both my parents, it's my, where my parents met. And so part of me was saying, do I really want that? Do I really want that ghost essentially following me everywhere I go and having to live up in whatever expectation there might be the second that I arrive on campus? And so I took my first visit there and I left and I was driving home about five minutes into the drive back with my mom. And she said, what'd you think? And I didn't even hesitate. I said, I don't think I can go here. And she was like, really? I said, yeah. She goes, okay, well, we'll visit some other places. So we went to Maryland. We went to Miami. We went 
all the way to USC, UCLA. We visited a, a number of schools around the country. And then we went back for a second time at Syracuse right before my senior year of high school. And it was the first day of classes. So end of August or so. And super nice day. Sun was out, 82 degrees. Everybody was outside. People were using cameras. It was the first day of classes. And I saw, wow, they're doing real stuff. They had just built the brand new section of New House 3. So there are three buildings in the New House School. The first one has always been there. Second one was the middle one. And the third one's the newest one, essentially. And New House 3, they had just built this Dick Clark studio. Brand new, state-of-the-art. And it was meant for classes. And I saw that and I said, man, none of these other schools had that. And I went back and I visited the radio station, W8ER. So none of the other schools had this. I saw the TV station for the students. I said, this is professional level. And I went back to the Carrier Dome. And then my mom said, you know what? Forget the real tour. I'm giving you my tour as a former student. I said, okay. And so she showed me all the places that students would be going. She showed me all the places that if I actually attended the school, I would probably be at. And we saw a little bit more outside campus and saw the new mall that we had never been to, which is not that new anymore over there, but is amazing. And I'm a big mall guy. I, I require a mall to it's where it's my happy place. Right. Some people have religion. I have going into stores. I have going into Zara on a Tuesday afternoon. I don't know why I can't explain it. Just do. All right. Clears my, my head. So I saw that. I said, all right, you know what? Maybe I can go here. There's a there's a great Nordstrom rack. That's a, that's a deal sealer right there. And so same deal. My mom, five minutes into the ride back, she looked at me and said, what do you think? And I said, I think I got to apply early decision. And I did. And yet I got it in. I went and I'm glad you asked the second part, Joe, because to me, this is what separates Syracuse from everything else. There are some other programs that are outstanding and you can get unbelievable reps. And I'm not telling you, don't go to some of these schools. Fordham, amazing. Arizona State, Northwestern. I could go down a long list of journalism. Miami and Maryland visited both, loved both of them. I could go down a long list of journalism schools that are going to get you to a place that you're hoping to get to. And quite honestly, wherever you go, it's what you make of it. It's what you do with it. But what Syracuse has that none of these other schools do is the actual classes are Outstanding. Newhouse has the reputation for a reason, and you learn everything you're going to need to know in those classes. But WAER, which is the NPR radio station, that's a professional radio station. Students run the sports department. WJPZ, otherwise known as Z89, is a student-run radio station. You get reps early there, and you can work through things, and you learn how to run things there. You learn every possible position. Citrus TV, the TV station for the students, run by the students. Unbelievable reps, opportunities. ACC Network, which had finally been established by my junior year at Syracuse. So I, I hit the ground running because I was an upperclassman already. I was getting opportunities on ACC Network because they were using it for students. And so you have all of these options, and those are just four of the many. And the best part of all of it is... It's a healthy competition because you guys mentioned it. There are so many people that go with the idea of, I want to be the next Marty Glickman, Marv Albert, Bob Costas, Mike Tirico, and so on and so forth. And because there are so many people that are so motivated, 
and they're there with the one goal in mind. You got to be at your best every day. You got to put your best foot forward, no matter what you're doing. I don't care if you're putting together a 90 second piece for the radio station that might never see air, or if you're doing a practice cast, you better have your best foot forward because you know, the guy or the girl next to you is, is most definitely going to do so. And so that healthy competition pushes you every day to be your best. And if you're going to be your best every day, you're going to improve at a rapid rate. And by the time you're a senior, you're going to have so many of those reps behind the scenes that when you are put on the air, you're ready to go. And you've been in a professional environment. You know how to handle yourself in a professional environment. There are so many pros to go into that place. The only biggest con is the weather is absolutely brutal. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it because now I live in LA and I am soft. All right. I'm like, quadruple ply toilet paper soft i go out there if it's like 55 degrees now i am bundled all right i don't know how i did four years of syracuse where it was negative 10 wind chill so i'm not going to sugarcoat it however the weather if you can get through it it is a hundred billion times worth it because the experience is amazing and i wouldn't trade it for anything the weather's brutal and you happen to go there on a nice summer day and that, and that kind of sold on you. We've had other people on who said the same thing. I was there in the summer and kind of sold me. So, you know, it's really nice up there when it's summer, but I think winter begins in October up there. So it's bone chilling and uh, can be tough, but obviously they prepare you very well, putting together your tape and whatnot. So what was the process like for you? Uh, applying for and then ultimately getting the, the Clippers radio job. Yeah, it was it was really awesome timing. And I think that a lot of this industry and life in general, I could go through any life scenario. You want to be in a relationship, timing has to be right. You want to be going and having a group of friends, timing has to be right. You want to go and do more yoga. Timing has to be right. I, I don't know. I'll make any example. And the timing, if it's right, then the stars can align. And so I got really lucky. And I'm, I'm fortunate for a variety of reasons. But I got really fortunate in particular with the timing of the Clipper job. I was a senior. And my senior year at Syracuse, the longtime voice of the Clippers, Ralph Lawler, was his 40th year with the team. 40. 40 years with the team. Think about 40 years with the Clippers. That was 2019 was his last year. Think about how many of those 40 years were difficult seasons. It's one of the most remarkable runs in NBA history in terms of broadcasting. So it was his 40th and final year. He was retiring at the end of the year. And so I didn't know this. I wasn't aware of any of it, but I did get a call from a professor that I had, that we all had. She was the leader and the run, she runs, still does the sports media center at Syracuse and at Newhouse. Her name's Olivia Stomsky. And so she reached out to me and said, hey, send me your basketball reel. Someone's interested. I said, can you be more specific? She said, no, I cannot. I said, why not? She said, just trust me. I said, okay, okay, fine. So I put together a basketball reel of all the stuff I had done to that point. This was probably January of 2019 or maybe early February, but it wasn't, I I had decided my senior year, I'm not going to focus too hard on the job stuff until about March or so. I wanted to enjoy my senior year and then I was going to go full steam ahead with it. And that was kind of my mentality going into the year. I figured that if I gave myself a couple months, I was going to have enough time that I was going to find something that I was going to be excited about. 
And so I hadn't even thought about it yet. And so she reaches out. I put together the reel. I send it over to her. A week later, she says, also, can you send me a resume and a bio? I said, also, can you send me who it's for? And she said, also, I cannot. So I said, also, what's going on? I, I, I'm not sure. I'm confused. She said, just make sure you do it. It's worthwhile. I said, okay. So I send all the stuff. So now it's early February. I don't hear anything the rest of the month. Now it's early March. I don't hear anything. We go to the NCAA tournament, which was in Salt Lake City. We lose to Baylor in the first round, a sleeping giant now, which we didn't know at the time. But they had some of the makings of that team that won the title. And we were there. We, we lose. We stay because you have to book the room and, and your hotel, all that stuff, the flights through just in case you win. And so we watched the rest of the games. We, we saw Gonzaga. They were the one seed that year with Hachimura and, and Corey Kispert and Drew Timmy and, and a number of others. Uh, who else did they? Oh, Killian Tilly. I mean, they, they had a really good team. Josh Perkins, they a really good team that year. So we got to see them, which was awesome. We got to see Kansas, who was really good that year. So it was fun. We got to watch some good basketball, fly back. And that next week, I'd been doing a radio show every Monday from a studio in downtown Syracuse. So I was driving to my radio show and I got a call on my car. It lights up. And it was an L.A. number I didn't have. And I wasn't going to pick up because I was getting a lot of spam calls, but it was L.A. and I wasn't getting a lot of L.A. So I said, all right, let me give it a try and see what happens here. So I answer it and it's this big booming voice. And he says, hello, is this Noah? I said, yeah, it is. He goes, hi, this is Nick Davis, Fox Sports West and Prime Ticket. And as I'm sure you're aware, we're looking to replace Ralph Lawler with the Clippers. And your name came up. So we'd like to fly you out and interview you and audition you next week. And I was like, oh, wow. I, I thought <laughs> I thought someone was going to pop out from my back seat and slap me across the face or something. And there had to have been a camera, right? thought I was being punked. So I said, you sure you got the right guy? He's like, uh, this is no Eagle. I was like, yeah. He goes, then yeah. I was like, okay. So I talked to my agent who I was working with at the time and they set it up. I flew out the next week, interviewed with the Clippers brass tax audition with Corey McGetty. And then I took a red eye back to Syracuse because I was still in school. I still had a couple more weeks left. So I, I had a final maybe. I think I had to get back for. I had something I had to get back for. Took a red eye back, and then I they they reached out. I heard Steve Ballmer wants to meet you, the owner of the team in Seattle. So now, in the span of three weeks, I've flown from Syracuse to Salt Lake City back, Syracuse to L.A. back, and now Syracuse to Seattle back. Two of which have included red eyes because I took another red eye back from Seattle, and it's not like there are direct flights from Syracuse. I was going through Chicago. However, Syracuse Airport is small enough that it's the same gate agent every time. And so I would walk up and he'd be like, sir, good to see you again. What's bringing you back? I'm like, I honestly don't know, man. I, I wish I could give you a better answer. He's just like, well, that, that smile of yours brightens my day. I go, you know what? I need you to follow me around and be my hype man because this is great for my confidence. So I go and I do the interview with Steve Ballmer. One-on-one, -on -one, me and him, 90 minutes in a room. And we're sitting like this close to each other. We're in each other's space. And we just talk. I mean, he's everything you see him on TV, the intensity, the, the fan spirit that is just fully on the surface. That's just who he is. And so he 
was great. Honestly, he, he asked me a lot of questions that he genuinely wanted to know about the broadcasting industry, about what I was learning in school, stuff like that. And then he said, do you have any questions? And I said, yeah, well, what do you, what do you want out of your broadcaster? And he said, didn't, he actually didn't even hesitate. I should, I'm not doing him justice right now. Didn't hesitate. Look me just square in the eye and said, someone who's hard, hardcore. And I kind of said, uh, <laughs> I mean, I can do that. Like I can be hardcore. I, I don't know if I can do a backflip, but I can maybe skateboard if you need. I could snowboard. I could try. Uh, so I told him at the end when I walked out, if you give me the job, the Clippers will be my life. I'll make them my life. And he said, okay, good to know. So I was interviewing and auditioning, by the way, for the TV job in all of this, which was the craziest part of all of it, because Ralph was retiring. So they were filling that. And so I flew back to Syracuse, finished school. And I looked at the whole experience as, hey, whatever happens, happens. This is awesome. This was an amazing experience. If it doesn't work out, great. I just got great experience now moving forward that I can use for the next time that this arises. And I have an opportunity to do this. And so I finish up, I graduate, I fly to Chicago, actually, right after graduation. So I saw my gate agent one more time. He was pumped. And there was some NBA stuff going on over there that I was a part of, which was great. I flew back to Syracuse, packed my stuff up, moved back to New Jersey, back into my parents' house. And two or so days later, I got a call, LA number from the team president saying that they're moving the radio guy up and they would love for me to take the radio position. Take the weekend, they said. I thought within two seconds, I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. Thank God I didn't cut her off because that would have been tough. It would have been a tough look. But I kept my cool. She said, take the weekend. I said, great. Called her back Sunday night, said, I'm in. I'll move to L.A. And a couple months later, I did just that. But it's been amazing. I haven't looked back since. And it's been awesome to be a part of this team. That was an incredible story. Now let's see if you could top it. need to know how. Did the Nickelodeon NFL experience come about and also how the Olympic experience came about and what that was like for you calling games off a TV monitor? So they're somewhat connected. Uh, I haven't told the, the Olympic story fully yet. I'll start with that because it all kind of, I'll go in chronological order. Let's put it that way. So when I was out in LA my first year, and this is only a couple weeks into my first season with the Clippers, so this is pre-pandemic. This is November 2019. My agent reaches out and says, hey, there's this woman who works for NBC and she's going to be out in L.A. And I think you should talk to her because the Olympics are coming up and you never know. Right. You just never know if that might be an option. I said, OK, I'm happy to I'm happy to meet anybody. I'm a personable guy. I like to talk to people. So I don't care if it, if it has something to do with my career or just in general. I'm happy to learn about people, meet more people add them to my circle, whatever it is the case. And so he said, okay, you're going to meet her in Hollywood where she's staying and just talk. I said, okay, great. So I had gotten from this, this restaurant the night before that looked a little shady, right? Looked a little shady, but I was like, I'm good. I'm young. I drink a lot of water. I'm healthy. I'm all right. So I, I go through with it. Bad decision. All right. I wake up like three in the morning. I am not okay. I am I'll, I'll get fairly graphic here. I'm re-seeing all of that food. I am seeing it all again, okay? And I know I have this important meeting the next morning. It's at like 10.30 in the morning. I'm like, okay, maybe I'll just get it out of my system and I'll be good. So I 
I go back to sleep. I wake up again. I said, all right, let me try. Uh, let me get some more out. Let me shower. And I felt okay. I was like, okay, good. I get dressed. I go. I do. I, I get more out of the way. I was literally stopped at a red light, opened my car door out the side. Okay. I am, I am not doing well, but I'm going to, I'm like, I'm going to power through. I'm going to make this work. So I get there and we're in the, we, we, we stayed in the lobby, just talking. It's going really well for the first 20 minutes. I am nailing this thing. I'm crushing it. I'm, you know, being personable, cracking jokes. I look good. I feel good. And about 20 minutes in, I, I feel it starting to hit. So I say, hey, can you just excuse me? I'm going to go to the bathroom. She said, yeah, no problem. I go to the bathroom and I, I can't. I can't do it. And so now I'm like, okay, what do I do? So I get back there. I am dripping sweat. Like I just hit the gym. I'm dripping sweat. And she's just like, oh, okay. You know, we keep talking. I go, actually, like five minutes now. I go, actually, can you, can you excuse me one more time? She goes, are you okay? I'm like, I'm not. No, I, uh, I think I have food poisoning. She goes, oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, it is what it is, but I got to go right now. She goes, just go do what you got to do. So <laughs> I go, I come back. I'm fine now. And she's like, you should, you should go. I, she go, I got really lucky. She goes, this happens to me all the time. Please do what you have to do. We'll talk more a different time. It was honestly a pleasure. And I'm, I'm very impressed that you made it to this meeting. I said, I'll be honest. I remember about half of what you said. I, <laughs> I blacked out midway through. She goes, I don't blame you. Go get some Gatorade. Go. So she was super understanding. So that was my like, I'm thinking like, all right, I just threw up my chance at the Olympics. That's not <laughs> happening, right? There's no way. It's gone with the toilet. It's, it's, it's out of there. So that was 2019 November. But I left an impression because of it. So clearly that, that stuck in there. So I didn't hear anything about the Olympics at all. Nickelodeon comes about because CBS combined and Viacom with Nickelodeon. And they thought of me, CBS Sports had thought of me as a, a good option potentially for the game. They reached out and said, would you be interested in, in interviewing for this? I said, would I be interested? It's literally my two favorite things combined into one, sports and entertainment. And I grew up watching all the Nickelodeon shows. So I was like, yeah, I would be into it. So I have to do the audition. This is now, I think, September 2020. So this is peak pandemic stuff. No in-person interviews or anything. It's Zoom. So this was right after the Clippers season ended in a bubble. So I'm still feeling the effects of that. And this was the morning that I was leaving to go to Paris for the French Open. So there was a lot going on, but I was focused because I go, I need to get this job. Like, this is the thing that I've been waiting for. So I do the Zoom and I felt good about it. I, I was asked if I watched Nickelodeon. I just started rattling off quotes, shows, everything. Again, making jokes. They were landing. So I felt good and I was right. I ended up getting it and it goes great that first year. I mean, it was awesome. It was a ton of fun. We had a blast. We can go into deeper detail about that in a bit, but it was amazing. And so right after that, literally right after that game, that happened, that game was January 10th, 2021, probably less than a week later, I get a call from NBC saying, hey, we have this new event we'd like you to do. It's three on three basketball. So it all came full circle from that first meeting through the Nickelodeon, all with some slimy substances. And then eventually the Olympics in Tokyo, which I did from Stanford, Connecticut. But it was an 
unbelievable experience. My hours were wacky. I, I was sleeping in a hotel from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day. The maids never came. The, the, the room service never came. I didn't care. I had boxes of food stacked up. It was still amazing. I would never trade it for anything. So that's kind of the story how both of those ended up happening, which is all part of a crazy experience. As always, honesty is the best policy. Uh, so the Clippers, kind of like your firstborn baby, they always have a special place in your heart. Uh, but you've had the privilege here uh, at a very young age to be able to cover and broadcast uh, the different sports that you have. So you've done NBA, you've done college hoops, you've done college football, did the NFL. Now, I'm not going to ask you in particular what your favorite sport to cover is, because probably a conflict of interest and Obviously, you want to continue to keep Mr. Bomber happy. Um, but considering that you've done a, a pretty nice scope of things here so young in your career, uh, I wanted to ask you your favorite aspect uh, of the broadcast job uh, and if there's a commonality uh, between the, the, the sports that you've covered so far. There is. Look, I'll answer the original question. My, my first love was always basketball. And so the NBA was always my first passion. I would, I would wake up when I was a little kid and I'd want my parents to call me a different NBA player every single day. I mean, that's, that's how much of the fabric of the league is deep in my bones and my blood. And so being in the NBA was always a dream in any capacity. You know, kids want to grow up and myself included, they want to be a player in the league. But when you realize, like myself, that you're going to be 5'8 on a good day and not have the athletic skill that's even close to maybe what one of our guys has in the tip of his pinky, then there's no chance that you're ever going to play. So how can you still stay in the league? And for me, that was this. Or There are other options, of course, but this was, to me, one of my favorite options because I had always enjoyed public speaking. Whenever I had to do a presentation in front of the class, I felt like that's where I excelled. And so... In fifth grade, my teacher came up to me after, I'll never forget this moment. This was really the moment that I started to shift my mindset a little bit, not entirely. It took a few more years, but this was the first seed planted. I had to do a, a presentation. We all had to read a biography on somebody, and then we had to dress up as the person and present to the class as if we were the person, give a long 10-minute speech. So I was in fifth grade, which would make me about 11, I think, and I did Bill Gates which is ironic now that I work for Steve Palmer. So I was Bill Gates. I dressed up as him. I, I got a huge poster board and I made a fake massive check to my elementary school. I mean, I went all out with it. And I presented to the class as if I was Bill Gates, talked about his whole life, his legacy, his foundation, all of it, Microsoft, et cetera. I had these big flashcards. I still think I have them back in my home in Jersey. And they were on big blue flashcard flashcards. And so I do the speech. And right after I was done, my fifth grade teacher came up to me and said, I think public speaking is in your future. And I said, no, I'm going to be the next Jason kid, you know, like I'm good. But, but it was the first seed planted of, okay, you know what, this is something that I feel like I do pretty well. It's come naturally to me. So how can I do that and combine my love for sports and entertainment and all of that. And so it leads me to the answer of your actual question of what part of broadcasting has stuck out to me, what part of broadcasting, and this is true with, with all the sports that I do and all the events that I do, it's being there, it's being in the environment. And so my first regular season Clipper game, the first regular season Clipper game I did was Clippers-Lakers 
literally the summer that the Clippers acquired Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and the Lakers got Anthony Davis. And so the buzz in L.A. that whole offseason was these are the best two teams in the NBA. They are going toe-to-toe. They are fighting for supremacy, not just in the market, but around the country. And this is the first test between the both of them. And so all of Los Angeles was waiting for this moment. It was a Laker home game. It was packed. And the, just the environment, I can't even fully describe it in words. You, you had to feel it and see it to believe it. And so I got that for that game. The most recent Nickelodeon game we just did was Cowboys and Niners at Jerry's World. Not a single seat was empty. Not a single seat. 80,000 fans or whatever it was. It is just the floor was vibrating when Dak Prescott ran that touchdown in the second half. When they were storming their comeback, it was deafening, right? To be in that, feel that energy is unbelievable. It's an adrenaline rush. Same thing for the SEC football games. We were at Auburn. At Auburn, when they brought Georgia to town, the eventual national champion, and it was next level. The tailgating outside, the feeling inside. There were more people there in the stadium than in the entire city of Auburn combined, than the whole population of the city. So those are the types of things that always stand out to me. Being in the environment, which is what made COVID broadcasting so difficult, having to be away from the team last year, not traveling at all and and being in empty arenas when we were there it just wasn't the same so to be back to that has been a huge hurdle it's been necessary i think for sports in general and for me it's it's what i miss the most how do you manage maybe your agent helps here any sort of scheduling conflicts i could see maybe sec football falling on a clippers game day how do you manage that the clippers have been very gracious about that they didn't have to allow it but when they called me to offer me the job they told me we don't want you to feel like you're tied down we want you to feel like you can do other stuff if you want to and so they've been very very uh the best word is i think gracious is the best word to use in this sense but like i said they didn't have to do it and so they basically have said if there's something that appeals to you that you want to do reach out to us ahead of time and just let us know and we'll let you know if it's okay. And so I give them the heads up and usually they say that's fine. So yeah, we've had a couple this year. I've missed two games now this year, and that'll likely be it for the season where one was for an SEC game. It was Missouri at Arkansas. And then one was for the Nickelodeon game, which was just a couple days or what a week in a couple days. So nine, 10 days ago. So it, they have been great about it. But for the most part, I try to stagger everything. I try to make sure that everything is separate, but it can't always work out that way. But the Clippers have been great in that sense. Absolutely. It's, it's key for a lot of broadcasters they've had on. And you have to helpfully work for a organization who is very flexible. I don't know how often you come back to New Jersey at the summer, but Joe here is constantly down the Jersey Shore, so perhaps you two can uh, get together at some point and fist pump. I think that'd be uh, tremendous, but uh, you don't really seem like much of a party guy. You can't be Nikki D and then make fun of fist pumping, all right? Jim Tan Laundry Till We Die, Joe. I got. I'm a big Jersey Shore, the TV show fan, but Joe is Joe's always down the Jersey Shore. Okay, but that's very vague. Joe, where on the Jersey Shore are you? Is the better question. 
I go to DJ's. DJ's is the New York Yankees of the Jersey Shore. Oh, no, 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 no. Please don't say Bar A. Please don't say Bar A. You could say any other place. You could say Headliner. You could say Parker House. You could say Osprey. Don't say Bar A, please. Osprey's fine. I'll, I'll go with Osprey. But listen, DJ's is the most cliche thing you could have said. <laughs> you know that. DJ's is by far the most cliche Yankees. It's the Mecca. It's it's if you want to make it there, that's where you gotta go. <laughs> you should make the Frank Sinatra Jersey Shore song. I would love to listen. <laughs> yeah, with my tone deaf voice. <laughs> Joe Joe's, come, Joe's everywhere. You fly home, you come visit, you let us know, and I'll take you down with my friends and we'll have a, a really, really great time. And and you already got the hair for it too. So Oh, I, I gel all the time. I, I got too much product in my hair. You're not from New Jersey if you don't get some product in the hair. It's, it's hair exceptional. I appreciate it. So, no, last question for me here as we start to wrap up. What would you say is your you know I'm right moment? So what I mean by that is a scenario where you wanted to do something either in your life or your career and somebody told you, hey, no, I don't think that's going to work. Like, you can't do that. And you said, you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. And ultimately, you will see why it is that I am right. Huh. That's a good question. Let me think about it. Let me, let me try to find a, a time in which that really stands out to me. I mean, I could say playing high school basketball without ever lifting a weight because I was five, seven and a half and a twig. And I somehow made it work and I somehow did, which was a big accomplishment for me because I had people tell me all the time, if you want to do that, you're going to have to get stronger. And of course, like the second, this is just me being a petty kid, by the way, the second that my high school basketball career ended, I went to the gym every day and I haven't stopped since. And like, that's, that's just the quintessential me going like, I'll show you you're wrong. I just was spiting myself, but uh, I, don't, I don't know if there was that necessarily I've just been proud of, of how to handle situations and how I've gone about certain things. I think that, you know, this wasn't a, I was right and I'm proving people right a type of situation, but I would say something that I thought I was proud of was when I was in college, I thought that myself and more specifically, my whole class of broadcasting guys and girls we did a really good job of coming together and doing it as a group. Whereas maybe some of the previous years, it was one person trying to run it or it wasn't a cohesive group and they weren't doing things in the right manner together. And it's not a knock on anybody else. I just thought we did a really good job of that. And what ended up happening was I thought we set the tone for the, for the years to come of how like we did it, they saw it, they liked it. They liked it, it was a collaboration and so they kept it going. So I don't know if that was we were right or I was right, but it was more so just a, something that we look back on when we graduate and we said, you know what, that was really cool. And I think that it's going to stay for a couple of years down the line. So that would probably be my best answer I could give you. If I thought about it a little more, I'm sure I could come up with some more ridiculous stuff that I have done over my, you know, I do have one more. This was this was when I was young, though. I was out to dinner with my mom, my sister. And then my sister's friend and her mom, and we were at a pizza place or well, an Italian place, but I ordered a pizza and I ordered a whole one for myself. And you know, when you're a kid and you're like, I am not sharing. Okay. I'm not sharing with anybody. So I get the pizza and my sister's friend's mom 
says, oh, you're not going to eat that whole thing, are you? And I'm, I don't know, 11, 12. I was like, yeah, I am. It was massive. And she goes, well, I'm going to watch you eat the whole thing. I'm like, why are you chirping me, first of all? Second of all, okay, fine, challenge accepted. And I devoured this thing, crushed it. There was not a single crumb left on that plate. Did I feel terrible after? Absolutely. But did I conquer? 100%. So that was I told you so moment for me that I'll never forget because I was a growing boy who deserved to eat his own pizza. Can't tell me anything different. That's a good one. Luckily, no food poisoning there. But I mean, that's, that's one of the best answers you've gotten. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, absolutely. I try. I try. If it involves cheese sauce and a nice crust, I'm in. Totally, totally agree. Noah, previously on this show, Nick and I had the privilege of having on Kenny Albert. And I think it's relevant to say that it's hard to follow in your father's footsteps, especially when your father is as good as somebody like his father was, especially as as good as somebody as your father is. Uh, But in this case, like Kenny, uh, it it seems like the apple has definitely not fallen too far from the tree. You think you're sensational what you do. I think you've had a a really, really blessed go about it here so far. Uh, And we wish you the best of luck moving forward. We thank you for doing this with us. We really, really appreciate it. And what Nick and I do is we always love to give our guests the last words. So if there's anything else you would like to share, if there's anything else you would like to promote, now is the time. Feel free to speak your mind. Go ahead. We appreciate you again, once again, for doing this with us. Wow, this is, this is a big moment. I've been waiting to say this actually for, for quite some time. Dilly dilly. I would say that. <laughs> No, seriously, guys, I, I really appreciate you having me on and I appreciate the kind words without a doubt. Uh, it's been a fun ride so far. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys join this ride as well. Now that we have fully been connected, I am not going to see Joe at DJ's. I can promise you that, but maybe <laughs> somewhere else. You never know where I might pop up. And Nick, we're going to get you to fist bump at some point. At hey, some listen, time. I, I fist bump at my wedding. I mean, Joe could tell you that. I mean, that's one of the best answers there is, but I just don't okay. get out very really sure with Joe. No, okay. it's fair. To be fair, I have friends, really close friends, my best friends who live in Los Angeles, and we have been out on Sunset Boulevard. Ooh. So I'm not entirely locked into the Jersey Shore. I'm a, I'm a little flexible. So uh, maybe I was going to be hitting now off for some Clippers tickets real soon. Listen, <laughs> you, come, you come to LA, you guys let me know, and we'll, we'll have a good time guaranteed. But seriously, appreciate you having me on, and, and we'll talk soon. All right, Noah, we appreciate it. So that's going to do it here for this episode of You Know I'm Right. Noah, we talked about food, going to the bathroom, food poisoning, vomiting, and, of course, sports of your career. We appreciate all of your honesty and open answers. But that's going to do it here for this episode. For our very special guest, Noah Eagle, my coach, Joe Calabrese, I'm Nick Durst, and this has been You Know I'm Right.